This is the Untamed Ethos Podcast. Join us as investment pros, executives, and other experts talk business, personal growth, investing, politics, and the trending topics well-rounded pros need to know about. Authentic, unfiltered, and fun. Joshua Wilson is the founder of United Ethos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of United Ethos's investment advice on this podcast, and nothing you'll hear on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. All opinions expressed by Joshua and by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of United Ethos or its affiliates. Welcome back to Untamed Ethos. I'm Joshua Wilson, and with me today, as usual, Dr. Vix, Russell Rhodes. Here as usual. Happy, uh, we're taping on a Monday morning, so happy Monday morning. Happy Monday morning. It is July 10th uh, here, and this episode will, will air in, in a couple of days. And uh, before we get started, I just want to thank, uh, thank those of you who give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a rating, um, sharing these stuff. We really appreciate that. Uh, anytime we're adding value to you, the way you can say, say thanks and help us to grow is uh, just to give us a like, share, follow us, um, subscribe. Those good things really help us uh, help us grow and help us reach more folks and give us reason to keep doing it. So, um, Russell, this morning it is storming here in Texas, and I've got <laughs> my uh, my little beagle right under my feet here because she doesn't like the doesn't like the storm. But you're a beagle guy too, right? Uh, yeah, we got a we have a beagle and a French bulldog, and up until about a week ago, we also had a very elderly pug that has gone uh what do they, they say gone over the rainbow or something like that for little dogs that go to heaven yeah. um but yeah and and what's funny is um my my beagle they're not known for being the bravest dogs in the world but storms don't bother my beagle at all what freaks really? her out and i still have not for the life of me figured this one out when the power goes out in the house and it's and I'm not talking about like if it all goes dark, even in the middle of the day where, you know, like where you can barely even tell that the power went out. That freaks her out. That mm -hmm. just it, it, and it's just like I, I don't know what it is that she suddenly picks up on. But the second the power goes out, she loses her mind. Storms could storms could care less. Um, we, we had a pug that would bark at the storms until they went away. But. My, I, I guess I have a braver than average beagle. Yeah, Pippa's Pippa is not is not the brave one. She's she wants to be right next to me if it's storming or if there's fire. She shivers. It was, she just got over one of the worst nights of her life. Uh -huh. you know, uh, July Fourth is a hard 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 night for a for a pup that doesn't like uh, doesn't like fireworks. <laughs> oh, that, that's another yeah. That, that poor poor dogs on the fourth. Um, every year I'm a big White Sox fan. Every year the White Sox have dog day out in the bleachers. And when the White Sox, uh, uh, hit, score a run or hit a home run, uh, they shoot off fireworks and yeah. all the dogs start howling. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> they all start howling at the, they just, it, 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 you, you hope for a home run on dog day at, uh, what do they call it now? Guaranteed rate field. Oh, U.S. So rolls right off the tongue. Comiskey Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so threads. Talk. Let's talk some social media here. Have you Have you joined Threads? I joined Threads. I um, actually I was looking for some stats on my Substack to see if I posted a couple of things on there, and I'm just seeing if it drove any traffic whatsoever to my Substack from a couple of days ago, and the answer would be no. <laughs> but not a whole lot of people are on there yet. Somehow I know I was like 38 million. I, I got sent a number that on when I logged into Instagram after I had joined threads and it was three, eight and a bunch of digits after it. And it said, this is what, you know, what number you are as far as having joined. I thought it was 3.8. It was 38 million after I looked at the. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't recall seeing that threaded. I'd actually, uh, and it was a mere hours, but before it was officially released, I actually clicked the button to get the pre-release or whatever, so it would come up automatically. So when it was released, it popped up on my phone, and I just confirmed it and got it immediately. But I've got my concerns with it already. I kind of feel like I may have hopped the 
feel like I may have jumped the gun and getting, got on too quick before, before I really understood what I was doing. What do you mean by jumped on it too quick? Or Well, so I'm starting to learn um, some things that are concerning me. And I guess I should have known better, but and maybe I'm maybe I'm ten full hatting here. Um, but <laughs> uh, I've learned that you that you you can't delete the app um, without deleting your Instagram. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I mean, like you can get the app off your phone, but I don't think that the account itself can be deleted unless you delete your Instagram as well. Who would have ever thought that would be the case that you, um, well, apparently Mr. Mr. Zuckerberg decided that would be a good idea. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I should not trust this guy. The other thing is the data. I, uh, -huh. uh Fox news reported, I uh, saw a meme from them showing all the things that this app is, is, is all the information that they're collecting. So listen to this. This is data that the threads app is collecting health and fitness, okay. uh, financial information, contact information, user content. Now, I, I, I'm not familiar enough to, to understand exactly what user content means. I assume that means the things that I do, you know, like the, the actions that I take. I'm not really sure, but user content, I'm not really sure what that means. Browsing history. What? Usage data. Okay, fair enough. Diagnostics. I'm not 100% sure what that means. Uh, some of it I know. Purchases. Wow. I mean, like location, contacts, contacts, like contacts. My, my, that's oh, my it, it basically it, it if you it, and I didn't share this, but um, it asked it asked me something along the lines. Do you want to share your Gmail contacts? I was like, hell no. Yeah, uh, I, always no, I, I said no to that one when they asked me that question. I remember contacts, that. search history, identifiers, whatever the hell that means. Uh, sensitive information. Well, that doesn't sound fun. And then other data. That seems like a lot other data. This is sounded a lot like the reasons that we have that Texas banned TikTok on uh, on on state machines and state networks and state phones. Mm -hmm. Taking a lot of data here, so that's got me nervous here. I, I just I don't I don't like people having access to my data, and I know it's out there, but I don't want to do more of it. You know. Um, so that's that's got me frightened a little bit how diff, how it's going to be difficult to delete it because I, I like Instagram I actually use Instagram yeah uh, but this threads I'm not sure about yet I don't uh, I don't understand but something that I want to keep and now now you've made it difficult for me to delete it because I've got something that I already want it feels shady yeah and it, 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 the problem is there are already a whole lot of people that have have made that jump very very quickly. Um, so yeah, and and a lot of a lot of people that you know I've I've been on Twitter, goodness gracious, um, forty percent of my life or something like that. I don't know, not maybe not. Wow. But I mean, I when I was at SIBO and yeah, I was one of the two people that was actually SIBO's Twitter, so I was on there personally as well. Um, so I've been around for a long time. There are people that, yeah, I, I've never met in person, but have, a, have really interesting interchanges with over the direct messages. I don't like to have conversations, public conversations on, um, Twitter. I just don't, you know, I, I just don't see the benefit in them. Uh, and I sure don't see the benefit in getting in kind of like our buddy, Michael, who likes to get involved in all of those, uh, contentious discussions. I, I just don't have the mental capacity for that. So I, if, if somebody asks me a question, if it's really snarky, I just ignore it. If I think it's somewhat legitimate, I actually respond via direct messages. It's probably hurt me traffic wise, but some of the people that I've uh, associated, you know, that I've spoken with direct message wise, I've probably been interacting with once a week for 10 years and never met them in person. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get the, the same sort of thing out of threads. Uh, apparently, you don't really even you, you don't have to follow people. I haven't looked at it that much other than posting a couple of things to see what happened. Um, 
a little bummed I'm stuck with it now. That does, does that mean um, I count as a user even if I never log on to it again, but leave the app on my uh, on my phone? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the. I'm, I'm tempted to try and delete it right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the thing is, I, I think there's a difference between delete because deleting oh, the you app. Mean, you mean removing the app or removing the app is different than deleting. Get out of there completely. Yeah. So, like, can you actually delete your account? Uh, I'm not sure yeah. that's possible right now. Well, they can. Do, they, they're able to say that they have a whole ton of users and their user retention is 99. percent Well, I mean, we've, we've been that's on a good number, over, isn't it? Number for five days, so uh, you know, I should be able to say that for a while. But yeah, the not if you can't if, if you, I know they have to track active users differently because that that. And then because they can tell how many people have been on in, you know, last 30 days, last week, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Because I've seen stats like that before, but yeah, I get it. Um, differences. So Threads has a 500 character limit per post. Instagram has a 2200 character, so over four times as much. Uh, on Twitter, the character limits are 280 characters for unpaid users, 25,000. For paid subscribe, who's reading a twenty five thousand? Well, have you ever read like uh, a, a full Twitter? Th it's kind of funny. I, I they may have to use a different term for it now. But you ever read a full Twitter thread where somebody writes a bunch of stuff and then has it posted where it's just a bunch of comments in a row? Um, but that. This is per post. Like this is this is you know two hundred. Well, that's, well, when when they when they slap it up like that, it'll separate it out. Oh. So that it, so it's like a posting stream. Um, and I some people, uh, Kim Carson, uh, Chris Seidel, they 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 put some pretty cool stuff out where they're going through a long drawn out explanation of things. Um, if I didn't have a Substack, I might do that periodically. Um, but again, I don't, I, I just, I, I'm happy to use Twitter to drive people to other things, but I really don't like having discussions with people on Twitter. There's just, um, there's no winning whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things that annoys me most about Twitter is the amount of things that are anonymous and, you know, people want to engage with you and be anonymous. And it's like, we're not the same. That's that's why I do the DM right there, because I don't yeah. want to. Cause I feel I, like I, if you're if if you're anonymous, you should just be ignored. I, I think if they if they could do anything with Twitter to one thing to improve Twitter, I think would be um, to demote anonymous accounts and make them much less important. No, so I don't know how to do how to say this correctly, but. Mm -hmm penalize them to where they it, it is a big knock against you in the algorithm to be anonymous you know you're you know maybe you're, maybe your responses are delayed you know like you can't like you have to, once you post a response it's, it's gonna it's not gonna post for 24 hours you know like, i don't know what you do but it's just like it, it that's so annoying as someone who has a public account like i don't want to engage with people Right. You know, I've never really liked Twitter to begin with. It's never been my thing. Um, but when people are anonymous and you're going to talk to someone who is anonymous and they can just come after you and it's like, no, I, I don't like this internet fighting. I mean, I, I like, I like, I like real life because there is a, a, everyone has an equal threat of violence. Everyone has an equal threat of negative repercussions. Right. And mm -hmm. so if you're coming into something and it's like coming into a fight and, you know, your arms are tied behind your back and the other guys is not. So yeah. I'm not going to engage in this. I'm not a fool. No. You know, and so these people that come in consistently is anonymous and just comment on everybody's stuff. It's like, you're a loser. Well, you know, yeah, that, a lot of them aren't real people. Yeah. They're just bots that... Well, there's there's that there's also a lot of people that have fake accounts that have anonymous accounts because they want to be a different person than they feel comfortable being because they don't want to be in trouble or I, if I if I said this and I can't really be myself because there's repercussions. Mm -hmm. Okay, but then don't you know? 
if you just want to lurk, you know, mm-hmm. on your anonymous account, fair enough. But lurking and commenting is if you're anonymous, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, no, if you're if you're not going to say who you know, if you're not going to totally say who you are, yeah, there's no reason no reason whatsoever that anybody should take you seriously for one. You know, but why should I? You know, why, why should I engage anybody like that? That that doesn't say who they really are. No. Now, I had one. I had one. One kid. I, I I wonder what happened to him. I used to have this kid. Uh, I didn't know his real name. Uh, he he had some funny funny nickname, and uh, it was like Bud Fox or something like that. But I must have engaged with him for years, and he would send me uh, he'd send me Christmas gifts to the exchange. Hmm. But I never really I never really know his real name. So, hmm. um, I, oh, I wish it was here. He sent me uh, he sent me one of the you know the big brick phone that I, I'm I'm going off I'm going off script. Stay there. <laughs> Russell has left the, the there he is. Okay. Oh. He got me the brick phone from Wall Street. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Bud Fox, whatever. Your ship is coming in or some car. Or you're going to jail. Ha! That that actually reminds me of the car phone and Magnum PI. Did he have a car phone? Yeah, I I only ever knew that show in syndication. Um, so, so social media, so you, you, you think that you, you signed up for threads, but it doesn't sound like it's, uh, I, you know, I signed up for it. A lot of high profile people in the industry did as well. Um, I think maybe just to make sure you, you got the username you wanted and, and things like that. I don't see a whole lot of posting quite yet, but then again, you know, the algorithm on this thing, the, the people that I've followed for years on um, Twitter, there's a good chance I wouldn't even find them on threads right now. I mean, maybe in time I would, but not initially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know that there's enough. Um, I mean, I feel like that there's that you know, it, it's new and I need to be ahead of the game. So there's a there's a you know, make sure I get the, the right screen name just in case. But mm-hmm there's a big difference in doing something just in case and really being on board with something. And I think that there's a lot of, it's you know, a lot of just in case that's for, dark. yeah, I know it was for me. I, 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 I literally got it and I posted one time asking who's, I think I asked a general question and no one's responding because I don't have any followers. Um, a few, um, but there's I'm a big what I've got. I've got 32 followers. Hey, that's a couple dozen now. I'm uh, related to about half of them. So the oh, once you once you're on there, and if and, and, I, and I doubt how much just leaving leaving Elon, you know, because mm-hmm. that seems to be a lot driving this as well. Is well, there's something new? Let's get on it. Make sure I get a username, and then some people are motivated to leave Elon or by you know their perception of how Twitter is is worse, but is is that enough to actually build a platform on is, is running away from twi- from, from Elon, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Elon will adapt um, some way into this stuff anyway, I assume. Um, yeah, uh, I, just, I have my doubts. You know, when, when I'm teaching undergrads or when I'm teaching any, any group and we're talking about analyzing, you know, a company's uh, income statement and cash flows, et cetera, uh, I always say the, the the main thing you want to take a look at is sales. It's the hardest line to control, and uh, there are I, and I could care less what Elon does. Uh, each to his own. It's his company. He can do what he wants with it. But there are a lot of people that are looking for an alternative, and you know Zuckerberg's trying. I, you know, I don't know if you it, it, is it the lesser of two evils. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think Zuckerberg, I think Zuckerberg's worse as far as um, not guarding our data, because that's been yeah, that, that's been the business model behind Facebook is, you know, selling that, selling that, users and with the go- that and colluding with the government. I mean, that, yeah. they, like Facebook is part of the establishment, you know, to me is Facebook is part of the 
um, the gang, you know, the, 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 the collusion between government and big tech and big banks and big asset managers is these are the people that are controlling the world. You know, their yeah. Facebook is, is in that same, um, I don't know if it's the same category as BlackRock, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, as far as controlling the world, but they're up there. You know, it, I'm, I'm going to totally take a left on you. It's just going to, yeah, where the heck did this come from? What you just said is how guys like Putin and, and Xi and China, how they, they sell that you don't want to be in the American system. Because in reality, it's just a handful of rich guys controlling everything. But in Russia, isn't it like a few rich guys really controlling everything? <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to as well, just in a slightly different way, I, you know, but that's their argument against capitalism right there is it's just it's whoever's got the money controls everything and everybody else just sucks. Yeah. And, and when you yeah. when you think about capitalism, too, is it's it's you know, there's firms that are that are operating above all of this. We act like it's the United States versus China, but, you know, BlackRock makes money either way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've seen this thing and, you know, um, I have to remember the exact story, but basically it was talking about Chevron um, on one of these because of the emissions deals. Yeah, exactly how it goes. But they had uh, they were supposed to, you know, it was a scope three or something like that, like emissions caps. And so it caused Chevron to drop some pro project over there. And well, it was, uh, you know, it looks good for 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 Exxon, for uh, Chevron. Mm -hmm. But it was just the project was picked up by Petro China. So it's not like the project didn't get done. It was just like, okay, let's get us off these books because we can't have this right now, but let's put it on these books. And uh, BlackRock, uh, BlackRock has both of them in their portfolio, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, what do they care? This project is done by someone in my portfolio. You know, it's, it, it, it's for them, it's no different than, you know, you having a family party and, saying, hey, can someone pick up ice on the way? Someone brings ice. doesn't matter where it comes from. It's still in your portfolio. You still have the ice Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. Whereas we Americans, we these standards, these emissions caps, it's not the same. They have, you know, they have diversity, um, you know, standards over here that prevent us from doing things. They don't have them over there. And BlackRock will push all these diversity and equity and inclusion things on our companies and push that and require those things. And then over there, they go to a different system and they don't keep those same standards. They keep all that stuff over here, but not over there. And other environmental constraints, they'll yeah. preach all this, uh, all this, um, you know, ESG stuff and DEI stuff. They'll, they'll preach all of that stuff over here and then they'll go to a completely different market and not hold up all those same standards. So are those really your standards? Well, they, what, not necessarily, I mean, they, they, they have to own some things that they probably don't really want to own uh, because they have so many passive funds. Don't they yeah. have like about a trillion in passive? Sure. What, what drives me absolutely bonkers is that they are using their, that, that, their shareholder status to try to push an ESG agenda when it's a passive fund. Yeah. And I just, I think um, if it's a passive fund that you're not supposed to be an activist investor in a passive fund. Yeah. So them using, and, and I, I equate this one. My, my mom was a teacher and in, in Memphis, Tennessee, where I grew up and she hated being, she hated that she had to pay dues to the teacher's union but just for a lot of different reasons. But she had absolutely no choice uh, if she was going to be a teacher in the Memphis City school system. And, you know, she didn't like where the money was being turning around and being donated for certain candidates and everything else. Uh, but she had no choice. If you're, you know, if you're an investor and even a long-term passive investor, uh, it's pretty darn difficult to avoid iShare funds. I mean, you do have other alternatives, but you probably, uh, you've talked about, uh, if you own an S and P 500 fund that you do have Apple and Microsoft exposure. Um, if you own an S and P 500 fund through BlackRock, uh, you basically are now an activist investor and supporting ESG. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and 
ESG is great. We don't want to tear up the country. We don't want to tear up the world, but what it started out at and what it has hijacked and become are two very, very different things. Yeah, it, it's morphed dramatically. You know, uh, ESG, environmental, social governance. I mean, it's it's now just been become code, especially when you start getting into the DEI uh, yeah. side of ESG and how much of that has been put under the umbrella of ESG. Now it's just it just sounds more like uh, this is the investment strategy of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, and I would not even say Democratic Party. I would say the left end of the Democratic Party. If it's not even a centrist um, you know, point at this at this point, when you actually look at uh, polls to what Americans um, support a lot of this stuff that's in that's in DEI is not something that half the country is supporting, which tells me that uh, it's the left side of the democratic spectrum that's that, that that's really being represented by a lot of the DEI stuff, which is now under ESG, and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't sound like the same thing, you know. But when you start getting into social and government uh, um, type stuff, it it's it gets pretty dirty and you can you can hide a lot of hide a lot of stuff in there and and I'm a free market guy so you know here's the thing is if someone's interested in ESG and they want to uh, I I mean I'm fully support you know my firm having ESG uh, uh strategies and we'll have that available if people want it uh but it is the pushing it on the main agenda like you said the passive funds and using this to to control where people don't want that. Like if you, if you are using a fund that I would, I, I would expand it past, past BlackRock. I would say state street Vanguard. Um, you know, those three companies alone are representing like a quarter to maybe even close to a third of all the, of all the votes for most of these, for, for a great large number of, of, uh, of S and P 500 companies, like three companies that are, that represent. Oh Yeah. A third yeah. of the vote. It's 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 mind boggling. So so you don't really work for when you, people will say things like, "Well, I don't understand how you know people will make these decisions. These these CEOs will make these decisions when they know that they're uh, why are they not doing what their what their what their demographic wants, what their what their customers want? Why would they do these things? Well, because they ultimately know that they're if they if they do these DEI things and they get these good scores, it's going to benefit them in other ways. Right. So they're doing these for these scores because they get these benefits for pleasing these other things. Right. These other there's other entities. So it it, you it it makes sense. Yeah. You may lose some money over here for supporting this cause, but you're going to gain all this other stuff over here. And when you vote for when you own a fund through one of these big fund companies, you're you're voting for them to have that power. You're voting for them to have you're that giving power. That, you're giving them that power. I don't know if they do. They have to disclose how they voted. Good question. That's worth. I, looking I mean, at. that's yeah. I, I I don't know. It just it it just bugs me that they're using passive funds to promote an agenda. Period. Even if I agreed with the agenda, I would have I, I would have a problem with that. Um, so there, I just, I, I, ever since BlackRock started doing those sorts of things and a couple of the, uh, did Texas dump them? I know Florida did. I know Kentucky did. And okay. I'm not sure if, uh, I'm not sure if Texas, I don't, I don't think Texas did, but I, I can be I wrong. I thought a large state. It wasn't just Kentucky. I, I know it was a small one, but um, I feel like, you know, and that's something DeSantis would probably do these days it's, since he's running for president. Um, you know, that that just seems like something that um, Florida would do. He would do based on some of the other things he's doing. Down. Yeah, uh, Florida dumped uh, BlackRock. They had two billion worth of uh, worth of state assets managed by BlackRock, and uh, toward the end of 2022, they um, they basically uh, pulled their money. And then also, there's an article saying that about uh, you know 1.7 trillion has walked out the door at BlackRock. Out of about out of out of about ten trillion. That's just a headline, though. I saw. Um, I think it was is it Fink at BlackRock. I saw him yeah. in, in some interview. This has been you know, a month or two ago, maybe. Um, and someone had asked him about. I think it was Florida 
shutting him out and then other states and well, you've lost, you know, something like X number of billions of dollars. And he's like, yeah, that's true. But we also brought in X trillion in the door. And mm-hmm. so like, he, he, if, if, assuming what he said was correct is, you know, if you have a trillion leave and two trillion come in, it's like, okay, you're still net plus a trillion, you know, and yeah. it sounded like his net was still plus a trillion during the same time period as he was saying that they had lost, um, you know, assets from these particular areas. So, I mean, it, 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 when you're to the point where you're raking in assets faster than you can lose them and you're, t- and you're taking major losses and still, and still raking it in faster. It's like, yeah. eh, who cares? This is not big enough. Why? Cause it's just a couple of States. It's, and it's also not individual investors because individual investors are not hearing about this. Individual investors are hearing things and saying, you know what? I'm not going to buy Bud Light or I'm not going to, or I'm going to boycott yeah. Target for a week or for a month or something like that. That's the stuff that you hear on Main Street, which does very little, uh, especially when you think about these conglomerates that own all these different brands. And, you know, you may, you may stop drinking Bud Light and drink another brand that's, uh, Owned by the same, it's still owned by Hazard Bush. You know, a lot of people will still do, you'll do those sorts of things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or or you, you know, boycott somebody for a week or for a day or something like that. Then you're then you're right back into it. You know, and those things don't 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 we 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 give ourselves a lot of credit, and I think conservative news media gives itself a lot of credit uh, for you know, hey, this is lost. I saw this thing about I think it was Unilever, um, and they had lost you know. X billion dollars in market cap in one day after this came out. It's like, okay, but that's like their stock price was down 0.5% mm-hmm. on a day that the market was down 0.25%. I mean, okay, they were down a little bit more than the market, but they were down half a percent. Like when you use the number X number of billions, it sounds, it sounds a lot more dramatic. It sounds a lot more dramatic than when you say it was down a half percent. And by the way, the market was down (laughs) the same amount, you know, or, or Mm -hmm. so, so we, we we tend to think those things do a lot. They they don't, it has to be a much more of a, um, it's, it's not the big dramatic things that matter. It's the little things. It's the little things that you're, who are you banking with? And, you know, we have a, we have a couple, some bad news in the banks and everybody pulls their money and takes it to JP Morgan. Okay. That's exactly what you're not supposed to do is, is is give them more power by bringing more funds to these mega, mega firms Mm -hmm. that are pushing, that are pushing, uh, politicians around, you know, this is the thing about a big government is we want government to do more things for us, but, um, the problem is, is that the bigger and more, the more powerful the government is which means the bigger, mm-hmm. the more worth, the, the more valuable it is to bribe them, the more valuable it is to have them in your back pocket. So yeah. it's a double, it's a double edged sword is you can't give the government more power and not give more power to cor- to big corporations. People act like it's different. It should be the government, not the big corporations. And you're like, are you, what are you thinking? No, yeah. there's no way you give more power to one and not the other one. Why? Because the more powerful, you know, the more powerful government gets, the more value, the more money you can make by getting them on your side, by bribing them, mm-hmm. by by luring them in with different with different things. You know, a, a weak government is not worth is not worth uh, bribing. Or I guess uh, you know, there's a lot of words I can use besides bribing. I just go straight for the gug. Incentivize. Incentivizing. Yes, yeah. incentivizing. Behavioral incentivizing. Behavioral incentivizing. There you yes. Go. Yes. Um, so what's going on? Uh, what's, what's going on today? Um, Russell, well, we're getting ready to kick off earnings, which is always very exciting, especially for uh, people that love options like I do. Um, we get three of that. You mentioned JP Morgan just a minute ago. We get three of the big banks at the uh, at the end of this week that, that I like to keep an eye on Citibank, JP Morgan and Wells Fargo. Um, each of them. This is kind of interesting. I, I, I was updating, you know, so I, I follow how the options were priced the day before and the day after companies report their earnings. And I was 
updating everything with respect to those three big with those three banks. And what's really interesting, and I, you would never think this, uh, but I guess it's just because they're the big banks. They've all gone up in response to earnings like the last four quarters in a row. We had a banking crisis this year, but <laughs> wow. I know it, it was. I was like, are, are, are my numbers right? I got to say, say, Russell, to, to, to pause this for a second, you know, I got to go back several episodes is, you know, when, it, when everyone was was talking banking crisis, you were not super impressed uh, with, with it. And you've been right uh, so far. It's still I still hear bits and pieces about it. I still hear bits and pieces about banks struggling and that sort of thing. But so far. Uh, it has not been the banking crisis that we were hearing that we were about to go into from a few months ago. And I guess the time will still tell. But uh, so far is the situation has been unimpressive. It was company specific for a handful of banks in the store. In, in uh, this summer, I'm teaching derivatives and risk management. The first half of the of the class is derivatives. And now we're in the risk management part. Um you know, and tonight I am specifically talking about uh, idiosyncratic versus systemic risk. And I, I show how I, I use Silicon Valley Bank as, a, as an example of something that was company specific because of the decisions that they made. The macroeconomic environment with higher rates, that impacted them, but it didn't impact every single bank exactly the same way. Because other banks were smart enough not to match up 30-year bond holdings with uh, instant liquidity needs when 30-year bonds can go down 30 and 40%. So it was very much of a uh, a company-specific thing. And and there were a handful of other regional banks that had the same sort of exposure, but they didn't experience a run on the bank. And since they didn't experience a run on the bank, uh, they they didn't end up in the same situation as Silicon Valley Bank. They're, if you'd really wanted to, if you were a nefarious guy like, you know, the people on Billions or something like that, you wanted to screw up a sector, you could easily have spread a few rumors about similar banks to Silicon Valley Bank and triggered the exact same thing. Because hmm. they were, uh, other banks were just as uh, in a very similar liquidity situation. Wow. Bad liquidity situation, I guess. Speaking of those uh, long-term bonds, any thoughts there? Uh, on You know, I'm actually, we've got, we probably have one more hike out of the Fed. And then it looks like, yeah, everybody thinks they're going to stand pat for a while. So, you know, if, I would be, everybody is, I, in fact, when I was looking up uh, BlackRock, one of the headlines was BlackRock wants investors to dump the 60-40 portfolio. Um, you want to own bonds when you think interest rates are going down. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know how, how much more basic things are. Uh, yeah, interest rates were around zero, and I don't know why... It, it, this, this just sounds so much like Monday morning quarterbacking, but you know, if you're going to invest in a bond fund and you're not holding a bond for income, but you're investing in a bond fund, uh, you want to do so when interest rates are going down, not going up. Right. And what direction? I mean, we only had one direction that bonds could go up or that rates could go up, could go, which was up. I mean, I guess they could have stayed flat last year. But if they'd stayed flat last year, you know, I, I don't think bond funds would have performed very well anyway. So you wouldn't have gotten much of a diversification benefit. You'd have gotten the same diversification benefit that you got with maybe cash if you had held bonds in 2022. And we hadn't had the rate scenario that we had. But uh, you got to assume if you're a longer term investor that uh, taking a look at you know either uh, a you know, just buying government bonds, buying government, buying futures on government bonds, or buying a uh, a bond fund that will benefit tremendously from lower rates. Uh, I actually think now would be a good time to be thinking about sixty forty, uh, especially if you've been fortunate enough to be a hundred zero and only owning stocks. 
because uh, we had we basically had the best first half of the year uh, in some time when you look at some of the indexes. I think the S&P 500, it wasn't the best first half of the year in some time, but it was for the NASDAQ 100. So, you know, if you're right when BlackRock, I guess it, this is all about slamming back BlackRock today, right when they're telling people that maybe you don't want to be in bonds. Personally, I think it's probably the best time to consider getting into bonds because unless something catastrophic happens in the world and, and the Fed really feels like they need to fix things, uh, when we're sitting here this time next year, in fact, I'll tell you right now, this time next year, um, the market is pricing in a 50 basis point cut from where we are right now. So, you know, that yeah, that's that's something that you want to take into consideration if you're thinking about fixed income versus versus equity. Right now might be the time. Yeah. Think about it. And I was looking at bond funds over the weekend. I didn't do anything or pull the trigger on anything, but uh, I don't feel like I I think I would be too early right now anyway. Uh, but yeah, well, I, I I think fixed income is a lot more attractive than it's been in a long time. And typically, I, I always like to quote Ed Thorpe on this stuff. Uh, if you really want to make money in the markets, look where other people are not looking. And I think that's an area yeah. people are not looking at right now. But just basically, you know, just the basics behind bonds now should be the time. Again, I think you'd be a bit early, but... By the end of this year, I think you definitely want to start thinking about uh, increasing your fixed income um, allocation. I start wondering, and I'm just I'm looking at um, some ETFs, and right now I've got LQD. That's the iShares, yeah, uh, one of the iShares uh, bond ETFs. And I'm just looking at the chart, and we're we're almost back down. You remember uh, in March there when COVID came? Obviously, the mar the bond market just you know. Uh, I won't say crash, but fell precipitously in a very short amount of time, which yeah. was good for me because I was trading options on those on those uh, ETS at that time. So that was good for me. But I'm looking at this, and we're we're almost back down on LQD to where we were there, um, in that 105-ish level. I can't see exactly when it yeah, but 105-ish. That's where we fell. Um, and then we obviously we jumped back up and went higher on bonds, and then we, you know, kind of slowly slid. But yeah, we were 105 there in March 19th ish uh, on LQD, and you know, we got back down to that kind of 105, yeah, all the way down to 98 um, in the fall of last year. Um, and then we've been, you know, up and down, but that but the range seems like it's been getting smaller. Um, the last couple of ups and downs of mm -hmm. LQD, and it, you know, it looks like there may be some kind of support in the in the area that we're at right now. But the range has been getting smaller. The highs, you know, we got we had a a new uh, a short term high back in December. Then we went down again, and then up and got past that. But the last couple of attempts to go higher have are looking more like a head and shoulders in the in the short term mm -hmm. since since we recovered from that low in uh in uh december of or sorry uh, october of of last year um so it makes me wonder if if we're you know we didn't seem to break that neckline or anything there but that range is starting to feel especially with the gap down um here in the last couple of days it's interesting to see that gap down are we going to fill that back up or are we looking to break down above uh, below that below that 104 104 level or so. I know this is just one ETF, but it is interesting yep. to see how different ETFs are, are responding in an environment like this, especially when you start seeing the, you know, several moving out average crossovers, you know, you yeah. know the, the nine, the nine day crossed over the 20 uh, below the 20 day, you know, which is a short term trend reversal, you know? Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at options on it. You got me. You got me digging into. Uh, I was trying to look at a, uh, you know, uh, what I, I was trying to find a vertical spread that would give you a decent risk reward using the January options that expire next year, and uh, I'm not finding anything very good. Um, not really. I, I I don't know if the the, the out of the money calls the skew is just they're cheap. 
There's so, so buying a an in the money call and selling an out of the money call against it. Uh, I'm not finding a good. Uh, I'm not finding not finding a good way to play that. Maybe uh, the option pricing has already taken that into account. Well, I, 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 yeah. what I'm kind of thinking I'm here is, you know, if if this does continue to break down, you know, if, if you're if what you're saying is right, you know, we've got one more rate hike and we'll want to own bonds. You know, this this if, if bonds break down again, this may be a good op, good buying opportunity for bonds. Not mm-hmm. for maybe not for tomorrow, but. In the short run, if in the long run, if you're wanting to own bonds as interest rates are are, are going down, you know. Um. So, and I think there's a one of the I, I, my assumption is this thing has a uh, pretty high yield on it, and that that you know that that sucks some of the premium out of call options because we base option we base. We base the option pricing on a forward price, and if you have a high something that has a high yield. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's currently, and I assume that's what's messing that up. Yeah, it's or currently uh, that's currently uh, just under four percent, according to my thinkorswim. It says three point nine six percent yield right now. now. That that is probably why those out of the money calls look so look so cheap, or yeah, look so cheap. I guess the best way to put that uh, is because you're probably going to have a couple of dividends paid, uh, which will knock the price of the fund down. A few times. Yeah, it's a monthly uh, dividend on that uh, LQD as well. Totally explains that. Uh, I should buy the fund and short calls against it. Double income. <laughs> Create an ETF for a double income ETF. You can market they, that all day. I, I've seen, I, I actually, I've seen some people lately that have uh, went with the search for yield. Uh, that's one of the recommendations is, uh, buy a stock that has a decent dividend yield uh, and then maybe, and then sell calls against it as well. Uh, problem with oh, that, right. problem with that is if you're short a call and it's uh dividend time, uh, you've got a higher likelihood of having your shares called away. And if that happens, you don't get your dividend. And, yeah. You've know, so you got to be very cautious doing those sorts of things. Yeah. I've, I've seen this marketed also as a, um, a triple income. You know, you sell a put, you know, yeah. in order to get into the stock, you sell puts on stuff you want to buy on dividend stocks. And then once you buy them, then you sell calls on them and it works great. While it works great. I think where a lot of the issue starts coming in is people start depending on options as if they're dividends and they start yeah. quoting things like, well, you know, get another 6% a year, get another 3% a year, get another 9% a year, things like that. And it's like, well, that's maybe that's true in this environment, but you know, when you say 6% a year, well, if that's, if that may be a 10 year average. Okay. Fair enough. But that's not necessarily true this year. And it mm-hmm. may be true this quarter, you got one and a one and a half percent this quarter. It doesn't mean you're going to get one and a half next quarter. And so people start just thinking of these. It's hard to get retail investors to stop thinking in terms of th- this is an this is another dividend. It's yeah. not another dividend. And by the way, you know you're going to end up sometimes if, um, especially when volatility is going down, if you're demanding that we had to continue running the same strategy, no matter what where volatility is right now. When you're saying our strategy is to sell this covered call this far out of the money, or some for, some RIAs I've seen and other and other asset managers have done, they'll do it. Of, of we're trying to, you know, our goal is to generate X number of dollars this month. Okay, that's even different because if you're if you're saying we're, we're always going to sell five percent out of the money, that's mm-hmm. a lot different than saying we're always going to generate, you know, a half percent, you know a quarter or, or half percent or a quarter percent a month or whatever it is they're doing, because you're going to have to sell further in, you know, out of the money, depending on how volatile the market is in order to get a, um, a stated um, goal income, right? Mm-hmm. Some, some months you may be selling 1% out of the money. Other months you're selling 5% out of the money. That's a very different call with very yeah. different risk exposure, but you're pinning the amount of risk you're taking to the amount of income you're trying to generate. And, and that becomes a big problem, especially when the market actually does go up faster than you expected. And now you're having to sell out and up in order to keep your stock from being, um, being called away. 
And right. that's, it, 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 few advisors will sell this as when the market gives us room to make some extra money, we will. It becomes an expectation of we're always doing it. And the expectation of we're always doing it, regardless of what volatility is doing, ends up with, you know, ends up in, you having problems and having to yeah. manage out of those things. Yeah. Um, it, I've actually seen covered call where, where people have tested consistent cover call strategies. And if you pull out, if you do it with weeklies on some of the more actively traded stocks that have options and you just skip earnings week, you do very well. Yeah. Did you, I, if you just if you just hold the stocks during earnings week, but sell calls all the other weeks, what's what what makes it difficult is earnings week is when the implied volatility is kind of uh, elevated, and that's yeah that's when it's you get as some other people like a phrase other people like to use uh, you get a lot of juice for your uh, for your options, uh, and you can see it right now. I'm looking at Google Options. Uh, the at the money implied volatility for the options that expire the Friday before earnings is 23%. It's 33% the week after. So the most expensive expiration on the board is the one right after earning, you know, the Friday after earnings. Well, that, that's that you get the most income from that one, but you also take on uh, a lot of risk as yeah. far as giving up some upside. If, if Google puts up some really good numbers. Yeah, that's a big difference, too. This far out, I thought I thought it would be more like my guess before I saw the number. It'd be more like five percent difference, not a ten percent difference. Huh. All right. Um, what else you got today? Uh, what have we not talked about and beaten up on people about yet? Uh, we we met we badmouthed our guys at um, BlackRock. They're going to come after us. Uh, <laughs> I always joke with classes. With class, I say, you know, I'm scared to death of Goldman Sachs. I'll never say anything negative about them. Yeah. They can disappear you. Um, but BlackRock's uh, right up there in you know a big old scary monolith as well. Uh, you know, we're we've got inflation number coming out in a couple of days. Uh, one of the consistent one of the consistent talking heads on CNBC just said that he ex he thinks. We're going to get a light CPI, and we're going to see the S and P five hundred rally another hundred points this week. Wow! Um, I, I I hope he's right. I hope if if he's, I think if if you want to if you want to if we do get a CPI number that is lighter than expected, um, check what the derivatives on fixed income futures are doing? And are they switching around from uh, one more rate hike to no rate hike? And if you see that in, co in conjunction with stocks trading higher, I, I think you're okay chasing stocks a bit if, if that's what what's going on on Wednesday. Uh, this will probably come out after that. So I might sound like a genius or might, might sound kind of stupid. But that's how I would be looking at this week's um, CPI report. The expected volatility around the CPI reports has just come in tremendously because we haven't been getting big stock market moves in response to CPI. Uh, the average move for the S&P 500 over the last 12 CPI reports is a move up and down about 1.7%. But the Average for just the CPI reports in 2023 uh, is about 0.6%, which is even lower than the average price change uh, on a day in 2023. Hmm. Uh, so we don't care as much. The, the thing is, we haven't had any any big shocking uh, inflation numbers lately. Uh, I heard, I, I listened, I drove down to Indiana to, to teach. And I listened to podcasts and I heard somebody on a podcast say that the Fed has been continuously surprised about how high inflation has been. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, I think if they had been surprised with how high inflation has been, even though rates have been increased, if they'd been surprised, they would have raised more than 25 basis points a time. Yeah. So I think they've been actually pleased with how things are going. And you can see that the market 
I don't care what you know, what people say and what people and what's actually going on in the market is a gigantic disconnect this day and age. If you only listen to what people were saying, you would think the S and P five hundred was down thirty percent this year. Everything, you know, all the talking heads are very very negative and have discounted the bear market rally. That's one heck of a bear market rally. Um, they also, you know, it just seems like. You know, news is supposed to be exciting and provocative, but it just seems like what is being said relative to what seems to be happening in the markets are two very, very different things. If you only, if you never saw any numbers and only listened to people talk about the markets, you would think we were in, you know, a terrible market environment. Well, how much of that's left over from last year? I think some of it's left over from last year. I, I think some of it's, people who missed out on it and they're hoping for a dip to, yeah. <laughs> to buy stocks. And whenever we get even a minor dip, uh, it doesn't seem to last more than a day or two and stocks rally right back up. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's more of some bitterness where people have missed things, but we have done, we, we've done a really nice stair step higher throughout Throughout this year, we tested lows back in mid-March, but ever since then, and when I do this, it's because I have to look around my camera to see the whole chart. That's me looking at charts. Well, uh, I mean, I think I also think if you're, you know, if you think this, take this back to a, a typical advisor client relationship and someone's worried, 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 a lot of advisors will say something very simple, which is, okay, if you're, if you're really worried, can't sleep at night, let's take less risk. And that, typically equates to um, the assumption that we should have more bonds in the portfolio. You know, if you were 70, 30, let's go 60, 40. If you were 60, 40, let's go 50, 50. So you're, you're selling stocks and buying bonds. That, I know that's not always the case, but that happens a lot is, okay, you're nervous about markets. Well, people are nervous about markets once markets have gone down. Yeah. And so <laughs> now... Now you, you your your stocks have gone down, and so you sell them and you buy some bonds, which have also now gone down, probably possibly since you bought them, um, or at least haven't gone back up yet. So, yeah. you know, if you're thinking in terms of, well, I need to sell some bonds now and go into stocks, that's a hard move to try to go back uh, in and making these moves with long term clients, and so. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're when you're doing something for the long term and that you, but yet you're spoiling that and telling your clients, OK, let's move. Let's change your risk preferences over time. You really risk a lot of whipsaws. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's right. a lot to talk somebody back into moving. It's easy to get someone to move to more conservative when the market is already down. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's the advisors being more reactive to clients. Um, and letting them go in the direction of least resistance, which is, you know, basically saying, oh, don't, don't go to cash. Just just go into something less less risky. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, um, there's a headline coming across saying big banks face higher capital requirements from from Fed Governor Barr. Thanks. I bet you that that's that's not going to be taken very well. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When they just had their um, stress tests like two weeks ago, and everybody passed. Yeah, it's interesting. He would say that right after um, that. And um, I've been reading uh, about just getting some inside baseball information on how the Fed, you know, how all these guys interact with each other. It's very rare that one of them says something that isn't part of a bigger plan. They right. hardly ever go off script. Yeah. And so that, that might be meaning something there. Yeah. Right. That, that is a way to slow things down. Absolutely. So, so the big, the big story right now is, is, you know, are we, uh, is it time to chase, chase this? Is it, is it a bull or just a bear market rally, which is, which is the consensus and is it time to chase it? And, you know, we may be looking at a time to, to buy bonds for the long term uh, as well. So it should be an interesting week to see how some of these things play out into the into into mid July. Yeah. No, we um it. I 
I personally think we're just going to stall out for a while. I don't, I don't see a 10 or 15% dip or an opportunity to buy in. I think if you, if you didn't buy in, you've kind of, you missed this move. Yeah. You know? so. And, uh, and that, that, you know, now, of course, if Putin, you know, if, if nobody stops him and he, you know, unleashes a couple of nukes on the battlefield or something that all bets are off, but of course, the, yeah, the, um, so, oh, this is what the Fed's doing. They are taking uh, banks. Uh, you've got to have enhanced capital if you're a hundred billion or more. It used to be a seven hundred billion dollar threshold. So, um, that they're lowering the number. That so the ones above seven hundred billion, the ones that are the stress test banks, those are doing fine. Uh, if you if 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 you think this headline's got some meat to it. Go short regional banks and buy money centers. Boom. Uh, of course, this is you're seeing this 48 hours later. So, but awesome. yeah, that that can't be doing any favors for the banking sector that's already had problems this year. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's going to be a big week, um, especially in the middle of the summer for a, little, a lot of new stuff coming out, earnings and so forth. Um, Folks, we appreciate you tuning in. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us a share. We appreciate you. And until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in.